Our passage today is Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus alone. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, and it is, as it is written of him. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. As we continue our series on encounters with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, we remember that Jesus himself is traveling around the places of Jerusalem, Samaria, and Galilee teaching and preparing the people to understand eventually the cross and his death and his resurrection. He first goes to Jerusalem telling the, 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 the Israelites of the day that all that he is doing is a fulfillment of the Old Testament, that all have to follow him and to recognize him as the Messiah that has been promised in the Old Testament scriptures. But Jesus continues to expand his authority and continues to expand the kingdom, healing people who come before him, driving out demons, teaching about the kingdom of God. And as they listen, Jesus slowly and slowly teaches the people around them that it's not simply the Jews that he came for, but for the Gentiles, for all people who call upon his name. And as he travels outside of Jerusalem, he does the same miracles that he did amongst the Israelites. He healed people of Gentile nature. He drove out demons as well. And he continued to teach the gospel that it's not what we do that brings us to faith, but it is our hearts and who we worship that all people who simply declare the name of the Lord of Jesus can find salvation. 
Now, as Jesus slowly reveals himself, the disciples and the people are, are still wondering, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? He seems to be a great prophet. He can heal people. He's a prophet who can drive out demons. And he's also a prophet when he says words. It's not like he's expositing or teaching from the Old Testament. When he speaks words, he's, he's speaking like he's God himself. Jesus doesn't say, thus saith the Lord and say something. Jesus just says something and people hear it as the word of God. Here in Mark chapter 9, we, we come in the narrative to our sort of a first high point. A way to share with the readers and the disciples that Jesus himself is more than just a prophet. He takes Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain. The three apostles that were dear to him. And he is transfigured or, or changed before their very eyes. His clothes become radiant, intensely white. So white that as we have here in ESV, it's like a white that no one has ever seen before. And as these three gates upon Jesus, they also saw Elijah and Moses appear. Imagine seeing this. Jesus himself becomes bright as the sun. The hearers of the Old Testament faith, Elijah and Moses, appear with Jesus. And they're having a chat. They're talking about something. And the disciples and Peter, being scared, just, just sort of blurts out the first thing he says. This is a great place to be. Let's make three booths or three tents. And let's just stay here in the presence of God himself. If there's anything that we can understand and learn from this passage right here, is that Jesus is no ordinary prophet. He had shown before these three men his glory. You and I, brothers and sisters, we are easily, easily swayed by our hearts. Our eyes, when we see something great, our hearts are easily swayed to worship. Maybe it's that home run that goes over 500 feet. Wow. Maybe it's that musician who, who plays that piece perfectly and you're in absolute awe. Maybe it's that beautiful sunset you see over the Grand Canyon. Our hearts are made to respond to beauty. And here, these three disciples are experiencing the apex of all that is beautiful. Seeing Christ in his glory, dressed in white, shining before them with Moses and Elijah. Who would not utter nonsense, perhaps, like, like these, these three disciples? You, too, rightfully, should simply bow your knee before the Lord and say, who am I 
But the joy of this is what? Seeing Christ in all his glory, these three men were not afraid. This was not to sort of, to shoo them away, but to draw them closer to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you and I, when we have experienced the love of Christ in our lives, when you remember those days when Jesus was, was really real to you, in, in a sense, you knew that you were a sinner to your core, but you knew that Christ loved you. There were probably times when you were extremely aware of Christ's presence in your life. And maybe that's even today. And you ask God, God, let's just stay here. I want the fullness of the joy of knowing you in my life now. And I want to stay here now. Brothers and sisters, that's a good thing. Children, you're going back to school tomorrow, right? And, and most of you are going, I don't want to go back to school tomorrow. Why? Because you saw the joy this past week, right? Was this past week a lot of fun? You got to hang out with your family, hang out with cousins, eat lots of good food. And you're like, let's stay here. Let's Let's life be all about vacation. But knowing Jesus is just like that, children. But even more. And God is gracious to you. Just like Jesus is gracious to these three disciples. To give them a glimpse of what perfect glory looks like. Do you remember that time? I ask of you to hold on to the reality of Christ in your life and to know that one day that glimpse that he give, has given you will be made perfect when he returns. This is the hope of glory that Paul alludes to that you and I hold on to. So as individuals, as these three disciples, as simply as individuals, our encounter with Jesus allows us to enjoy Christ today, but also helps us to struggle and wrestle well, knowing that our future days of perfection are waiting for us. Now, the second thing that this, this whole transfiguration teaches us is the fact that Jesus has come to fulfill all of the Old Testament once again. Who appears? It's Moses and Elijah with Jesus. Children, do you know who Moses, what Moses represents? Moses represents the law. What does Elijah represent? He represents the prophets. Moses and Elijah represent all the Old Testament. It's been said that there will be a prophet greater than Moses who would appear. It was said that Elijah would need to appear again before the, before the Messiah would return. 
and then appearing with Jesus. I wonder what they're talking about. We'll, we'll ask when we get to heaven. But that appearance is a confirmation to the three disciples that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and the Messiah who was to come. New knowledge, in a sense, or confirmed knowledge for these three men. That Jesus is more than just a man walking amongst us. He is the fulfillment of all of history. Not only your personal Savior, but the one who will have dominion over all the earth. Thirdly, we get a, another picture of who God is because Jesus says that we can't stay here. We have to go. And he says, you have to realize until the Son of Man raises from the dead again, you know, we, 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 we've got to, we, we have to leave. We've got ministry to do. And this is a mystery. What does Son of Man mean? Does that simply mean a person? We know that, that in the Old Testament, when we look at like, like people who were born, we say Seth was the son of a man, son of Adam and Eve. But this term son of man is a messianic term that we see in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel sees a vision of one like the ancient of days, and there appears to him a son of man who one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And from that point on, the Israelites understood that that moniker, son of man, met someone who was to be the Messiah. Now, there's a lot to dig into that, but that's for a Bible study later on. But all I want you to know is that when Jesus is talking about the son of man, he's talking about himself. When the people there, when the disciples hear the term Son of Man, they understand it's, it's a, another confirmation that Jesus is not simply a prophet. He's not simply a teacher. He's not here to make you feel good. He is not here to, to conform to your desires. He's not here to serve the people of this day. He is here. to be the sovereign ruler of all things. The son of God, the son of man. Brothers and sisters, in this world today, and even in our own lives, we forget the ultimate sovereignty of Christ in all things. There is not one square inch of this world or not one nanosecond of your time or the time of the whole world that does not belong to Jesus, that Jesus himself is not Lord over. Look at the clothes you are wearing. Who made those clothes? Well, you could say, well, I bought it at the Gap. <laughs> But who is it that enabled people to, to make the clothes that you have? Who is it that 
created the colors that you see? Who is it that created the fabrics that you... It's God himself, and Christ is Lord over all things. It is impossible for us as creatures, if we do not behold the glory of God, not to say anything and everything belongs to Christ and his glory. And that we will bow our knee and our tongues will confess that all things belong to him. Praise be to our God. This vision of who God is and his sovereignty, this vision of who God is and simply his being and, the, and his glory that we behold, is what you and I must hold on to. For that is our hope. That one day all these things will come to be. And the new creation will come down from the heavens. And all of us here will worship together. Praise be to the Lord. Now we hold on to this. But we need to come down from the mountain. And Jesus tells his disciples the same thing. There's work to be done. There's people to love. There's the good news of the gospel to be shared. There's people who need to hear about Jesus. Peter, James, and John, you have a task. Oh, church, you have been given that same task as well. Thanksgiving is an interesting holiday. And Thanksgiving and Christmas, this time, is a very interesting time. It's a time where families gather together, or even friends gather together. But it's a time of reflection. Because we naturally will compare one Thanksgiving to last year's Thanksgiving, to Thanksgiving five years ago, to Thanksgiving ten years ago, to Thanksgiving when we were children. And we will remember how things have changed. Our families have changed. We as individuals have changed. And sometimes they're for the good. And sometimes they're, well, quite challenging. And wherever you are in God's providential line of time in your life. Know that God himself is still present. Know that you are able to be thankful for the mission that is before you to love your family, to love your friends, to love those who are going through difficult moments, but also rejoicing with those who, who the Lord has, has blessed with the, with the joy of salvation. This is a time, brothers and sisters, where we share our hearts together and walk well together. 
knowing that we could share the, the, our, our deepest struggles and the hardest things in our lives. Why? Not because we're without hope, but because we do have hope. You have all seen a glimpse of who Christ is. And when Christ returns, we will all together be able to say, well done, brothers and sisters. We will all be able to see Christ in his full glory, robed in his splendor, and say to one another, look at one another and say, that's why we're here. Praise be to our God. You know, in this world today, people have a very difficult time sharing difficult things about their lives. Why? Because most people here don't have hope. The best they can do is simply say, let's share and it'll be what it will be. But our hearts are not made for that. You, O oh Christian, have beheld the glory of God. I do not know and we do not know what lot the Lord has for us as individuals, as families, as a church. We do not know if we are called to suffer for the gospel, that his glory may shine. We do not know our lot, but we do know that our future is secure. These three disciples, right in the middle of the Gospel of Mark, was shown, preparing them for what? The eventual suffering and death of their friend. And preparing them to know that in his resurrection, and his return, that what they saw on that mountain will pair in comparison to the perfect glory of Christ. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Families over there with children, be encouraged. Know that you are raising your kids, not simply not to bug you all the time, but you are raising your kids to become your brothers and sisters in Christ. That all of us together will worship him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you from our hearts for the love that you have poured unto us, Lord God. Father, we confess that we are a people who are short-tempered, we are people who are quick to anger. We are people, Lord, who shun away from loving others out of fear of rejection. But Lord, we know, Lord God, that you have loved us perfectly and that you have shown us, Lord, that the salvation that has been given to us is indeed beautiful in our sight. 
We pray for us as individuals, as families, as church, as a church, to, Lord, not to forget the goodness of who you are and the goodness of what you will return. Help us, Lord God, with that knowledge to love the people around us, Lord God, to share the good news of Jesus and his love for them, to share with all that, Lord God, that if we confess our sins, that you'll be quick to forgive. Lord God, we know that the world does not love you, but we love you. And so, Lord God, teach us to do so for the glory of your kingdom and for our own good as well. In Christ's name we pray, amen.